Y'all in the winning circle, try some squares though You in the killing fields, ignoring the scarecrows Yeah ho, I'm Benny Blanco in the last scene Making the power play high off of caffeine This is a tag team, fantasy the bad dream The male version of Carrie killing the class queen Boxy bloggers quit dodging my emails Take yeah. that whack shit off, the real prevail Welcome to the Free Lunch Podcast, home of the New South Movement. This is your boy, Tight Tight, one half of the Free Lunch Podcast duo, and I got the main man, BG, with me. BG, how are you today, sir? I am BG, the 2-7 Kid. Free Lunch Podcast is the show, and we have another exciting interview. I've been waiting on this one for a long time, and the time has finally arisen. It, it is. It's a very interesting interview, and the reason is because, number one, for those of you listeners that listen to Free Lunch Podcast from day one, uh, we have over, uh, we have about 70 episodes now. Uh, but our first set of podcasts centered around living your truth and really looking back at your, um, life, your life's journey and doing a bird's eye view perspective of some of the intangible and tangible skills that you, that you had inherited along the way. And trying to use those to figure out how to apply that to your purpose and your calling and how to essentially understand what your passions and, and how they, and, and how to marry those with your, with your purpose. I say all that to say that as we continue this podcast series, it's important for us to bring on hosting guests and, and really to talk about living out your purpose. Uh, fulfilling your purpose and finding a career that's more fulfilling to you. Uh, we have a special guest today. He is the CEO and founder of Rockport Institute, a institute that helps, um, individuals, um, learn and understand their skill sets and how to get into careers that allow them to fulfill their purpose. But I don't want to just leave it there that he's a CEO of, of that particular institute, but he is also a best-selling author, uh, for, uh, a novel that I'm sure we're gonna, we're gonna discuss here soon. Uh, but also he, he, he actually was able to autograph BG and I a copy, which whenever I get anything that's free, I'm going to take it and take advantage of it. <laughs> Very appreciative. Uh, but the name of the book is The Pathfinder, um, How to Choose or Change Your Career for a Lifetime of Satisfaction and Success. And no further ado, i like to introduce to the Free Lunch Podcast family and audience, uh, Mr. Nicholas Nick Lohr. How you doing, Mr. Hi, Nick? I'm doing great. It's great to have you guys here today. It's great to be here. It is. It is. So since we walked into into the place, we've been welcomed, BG. Um, I feel like I'm at home, uh, and we've only been here for ten minutes. How you feel? I feel that same. <laughs> I feel the same way. A lot of hospitality. Hospitality does not only rest in the south, but it's here on the on the east coast. It is in, in this in this beautiful area, beautiful home, and um, you can feel the the peace and the tranquility. And I think that some of that may come along with what we're going to be talking about today mm-hmm. in terms of pathfinding and and really living your your truth. And I guess in some ways outside of the box, outside of what tradition really? and standard talks about. So you can definitely feel it. And like I said, we are extremely um, grateful for this opportunity to come and talk to Mr. Lord. So, Mr. Lord, beautiful Saturday morning. You doing OK today? I'm doing great. I mean, I was out at a party until pretty late last night. <laughs> yeah, you so told us about that. Was it, was other it, than that. Was it worth it? Was it worth being it was, out late actually, for? It was, it was really worth it. Yeah. yeah. So my voice is a little scratchy, people, so just forgive me for that. It's not my fault. It's <laughs> My wife likes to stay really late at parties. <laughs> that happens sometimes. It's all her that, fault. Yeah, yeah that, that happens. happens. So, so <laughs> when, when BG and I were riding to... To find this particular place, we, we kind of started observing the, the scenery. Uh, we started to feel as though you strategically placed, um, your institute at this location, um, to help with the, uh, to help with the mindset, I guess, to help with the establishment for, for individuals that come and they're trying to get some coaching and some assistance. 
Um, would that be fair to say, or or is that? Yeah, it's true. Plus, years ago when I decided to do this, I wanted to pick something to do that I had to live up to it. It's like if you know, if you want to, uh, if you want to be like a a, a workout coach. Mm-hmm. You can't get all sloppy and disgusting like me. You know, you have to kind of keep <laughs> it true. together. That's true. So it kind of forces you to do it just to have integrity, you know? Yeah, that, that's and, true. Uh, so, yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. So I've had to make sure I really enjoy my life or I'd, you know, I'd be a big liar. So, the yeah, living in a – having the, we used to have an office downtown and it was up the street from the White House and – Every time the president needed a pack of gum, there'd be like all these sirens go by and everything. And wow! And then um, the you could drink at eighteen. Then in D.C., so there was a bar close by. I'd be, I'd be there, at, still working at ten o'clock at night, and there'd be guys going, "Hey, man, I think I'm gonna hurl." and so this is much better like leafy green it is it it is is. beautiful it really is it's beautiful drive when we were going through the scenery um but a very interesting story so bg you know free lunch podcast has really become a way of life for, for me i know you as well um and so the the way i met uh nick is i was at a at a 10th year anniversary for Bus Boys and Poets. Mm-hmm. And so at that, at that particular event, that's where Bill Ayers was there. Angela Davis was there. Um, uh, one of the moderators said, has anyone ever written a book? And I turned around and right behind me, uh, Nick had raised his hand to identify the fact that he had written a book. So, um, later that day, I kind of wanted to, um, just understand and get a, get a sense of what book he had written. Long story short, we got into some conversations. He introduced himself and I went and I started studying up on, uh, Mr. Lore and trying to understand, um, what it was that he exactly doing. Cause I'm always looking for guests to be on the podcast. After reading his story and what he had accomplished, it was very evident that he was the type of person that we wanted on this show. To really talk about something that we are hearing and having a lot on this podcast, but even between BG and I, Mr. Lauren, that's um, just being at that point to where a lot of our peers, a lot of us are in jobs or at careers mm-hmm. that are not fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Your book on a lot of, in a lot of ways talks about finding the perfect career for yourself and even your institute that you started. Um, can we kind of at a high level use today's podcast as a way to really not only talk about your personal journey for 10 minutes to kind of lay a foundation, mm-hmm. but also get into maybe some skills or some things that our listeners can do to, to identify the perfect career for themselves. That's exactly what I'd like to do. I don't care about my story that much, but what I'd like all of you out there is is to have some clues about <clears throat> how to make good choices and how to wind up in a career that's a great fit. So I'm going to try to do that uh and and I hope I hope I can. No, you you will, but um just for 10 minutes or so I was reading your the about page on your website. Um rockportinstitute.com i believe it is mm-hmm. yes it is and it kind of talked about you being um a plant manager and going from being a plant manager and uh it kind of gave your background can we kind of like talk about your background coming from knoxville tennessee i believe you come from tennessee, yeah tennessee? from yeah oak ridge. oak ridge i was born close to the end of the war my dad worked in oak ridge tennessee which was <clears throat> a secret city where they were making uranium and plutonium for the atom bomb. Um, and everybody that lived there, like most of them was all these like Southern country gals that had no idea what was going on. But my dad was an engineer. So <clears throat> when I was born, I had top secret clearance 
And I think they were worried the Nazis would like miniaturize spies into little babies or something like that. Born with clearance. Born with clearance. And then it's been downhill ever (laughs) since then. (laughs) So that would explain some of the hospitality. And so you do have uh, um, some Southern origin to it. Yeah. Yeah, For why I have one year of Southern origin. That counts. I learned a lot in that year. Yeah. That counts. Well, what I did was, you know, after going to college, I was always interested in psychology. But back then, psychology was pretty much about what's normal, what's wrong, and how do you fix people. And I was interested in how you can make a difference in the lives of people who are, you know, no crazier than we all are. You know, just regular old crazy people like all of us. And um, so there wasn't any way to do it. There were no jobs so I, you know, I got married uh, and uh, <clears throat> I had to do something grown up. Somebody offered me this job running. You got uh, married. You were 27. I was 27 with my first wife. Okay. Yeah. And uh, uh, so so I just did something because somebody offered it to me. And, and it was to run this little tiny manufacturing company that made like folding cardboard boxes and uh, it got boring really quickly. And I thought it was something wrong with me. It's like, no, oh, this is a great job. You know, I, I'm I'm getting paid okay and nobody's bossing me around. And that kept happening. And so I'd run little companies for people and get bored every two years. And then I ended up on the coast of Maine living there. And I was all about what's now called the green movement in the 70s. It was people moving back to the land, buying an old beat-up farm, growing their own food. And, um, you know, because we sort of thought the world would get worse than it was then, which it is. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> but uh, so um, while I was there, I, you know, I, I was running a company that did energy conservation, a little bit of solar research. I had an organic farm. That was back in the days there weren't even any organic food stores. Mm. This was, we were real radical pioneers in that. Everybody laughed at us. And, uh, but, you know, now even Walmart has organic yeah. food. Mm-hmm. So, and I always liked things that were a little ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the, 60s, I was uh, anti-war and anti-nuclear, anti-bomb protester and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, so I made a decision, and this is the best decision I ever made. I want to do something with my life that I that I love and that I'm really good at and that I'm not going to suffer all the time. And, you know, I look out there and most people are suffering. You know, you just in in here in the D.C. area, you just look at people on the metro going to work in the morning. That's the most miserable looking bunch of people. (laughs) That miserable look. Yeah. Now, yeah. And it's not just it's not just the people, because if you look at them another time, they're going to like a Redskins game or something like that. People are talking to you, people they don't know, and they're all excited and everything. And it's a completely different world. So it's not them; it's careers that are uh, that are wrong for them. So anyway, that's what I did way back then. Was I decided to invent modern career coaching, and I I named it career coaching back then. And so that's what I've been doing since 1981: <laughs> is figuring out ways to help people pick careers. And then we've we've coached something like fifteen thousand people through making a choice. So that's my story. So talking about those people and that and that miserable look that they have, and a, a lot of us do have that mm-hmm. from Monday through yeah. Friday. Some people seven days a week are yeah. dealing with that. What do you what do you what have you found to be some of the main reasons that people find themselves in that degree of miserableness? Well, it depends. If you're miserable seven days a week, you're just miserable. You know, uh-huh. it's just miserable. miserable. That's just it. Yeah. Well, you you just have a lot, maybe a lot of things going right. wrong in your life. But if you're miserable about your work, then it's sometimes it's because 
you have an idea you should be more successful than you are, and that's just eating at you every day. Sometimes it's because you're working for a, you know, company and an evil company that doesn't care about people. Sometimes it, you know, it, but a lot of the time, probably most of the time, it's because your work doesn't really fit you that well. And, you know, and both of you love this thing that you're doing. You, you, I mean, you can see there's like a joy and enthusiasm, mm -hmm. kind of playful quality. You're really having fun doing it. And I don't think a career has to be like that all the time, but you want to maximize the parts that are, that work for you and where you're really good at it and it fulfills something you care about matters to you and you want to minimize the crapola and and that's kind of why we wanted to have this story because similar to what you just said i get on that metro and that public transportation and, and similarly i see the same expressions and and it even shows at the workplace when mm -hmm. you're doing something or you're basically around a bunch of people that no one's happy and i actually came up with the slogan that um, I would say I called work almost a sick hospital. Yeah, it is like that. <laughs> it's almost yeah. like a sick hospital where a bunch <laughs> of people go that aren't happy and really aren't passionate about what it is that they're doing. Um, what are some of the, because we, we really want to get into the meat and the potatoes um, of number one, um, <clears throat> discussing some of the skills and some of the techniques that we could use at an earlier age, mm -hmm. I believe that if we could take some of the things that you're teaching at your current um, institute um, earlier in a young person's life, then they would be able to essentially not go through some of the decisions or some of the hardships mm -hmm. that we make later in life because of lack of knowledge or what have you. Mm -hmm. Most of what I'm going to say is really practical, but the first thing's a little philosophical. And that is that, you know, there's a lot of people that are more committed to just complaining than they are to doing something about it. You know, those are those people that put up Dilbert drawings or something, or Dilbert <laughs> cartoons, or, you know, they, there's a lot of people that actually love it the way it is. They like it exactly the way it is. They never admit it, but they're never going to do anything about, about it. it. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of people, everything, talk, talk, talk. But what people talk, talk, talk about means nothing. It's what they're going to do, do, do that matters. And so that's really the first thing is it's not a matter of a lack of opportunity. Yeah, there's a lot of lack of opportunity and the opportunity in our society is never going to be even and fair. But... What it really is, it's a lack of possibility. So you have to be able to think, well, you know, it could be possible for me to do something that's a good fit. So if you don't have that, it's, you're only going to fall into it by accident. So you got to be able, you have to be, and you guys have done that with what you're doing here. You know, you came up with an idea and you knew that you wanted it to be self-expression and all that. So you saw it as, Hey, maybe we could. Mm -hmm. Hey, maybe we could. And you have to have a maybe I could first because it's a project to pick a career. It's a project. And like any project, you actually have to do the project. You can't just, mm -hmm. you know, watch it on YouTube because <laughs> it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. yeah, so, okay. So that's the first thing is what you do is make picking a career a project, just like anything else important in your life is a project. Then after that, the the way to go about it is a little bit like a detective show. And so, you know, in a detective show or in real life, something happens, the detectives show up and they start looking for clues. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that is the most important thing is to start looking for clues about what about yourself and and what and, and and this is one of the things we talked about on the live your truth series and and the analogy i like to use is the is david david and goliath mm -hmm. and, and the reason i use that analogy is because in that story for me the most important thing in that story 
wasn't the fact that David killed Goliath. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that David killed lions and bears prior to killing Goliath. Exactly. Him killing the lions and bears gave him the confidence, but it also gave him the skill set to to go in there and to actually kill Goliath. If you reflect and take a bird's eye view of your journey up until this point, it gives you clues. It gives you really things to reflect on that you can base that have prepared you for your Goliath, mm-hmm. meaning um, the things that you love to do, the things that you are gifted at. Mm-hmm. I believe exactly. that if you can take your gifts and marry those with your passions, then you'll be fulfilling your purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I mean, does that, is that pretty much accurate with what you were saying? It, with the it, it, it is, but you know, I don't think that everybody has this fixed purpose. I mean, you know, to me, that sort of seems like a fantasy. It's kind of like up in heaven, there's this gigantic room, you know, it's kind of all gray. Everybody kind of has dingy wings. They're all sitting at old fashioned computers and before everybody's born, they figure out a purpose for that person. And then the person has to spend their life trying to figure out what that is. I don't think it works that way. I mean, but what I think is we all get a lot of clues, you know, and we, and that's why it's, it's more like the, I like the analogy of the investigation that you have to be kind of a career detective because what, I don't think so. I don't think people naturally have a purpose and somebody might somebody might be the purpose might be to get out of poverty or there's the woman who started Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Well, her kid got killed. Mm -hmm. So automatic purpose, you know, I mean, she still had to choose it. But but people have natural talents. Each one of us is different and unique. And, you know, we're all, we're not all a big lump of the same thing, you know, and um, we all start out with special talents and that starts out with our personality. So when you look for clues, you look for clues about yourself. So first of all, what's your personality like? And really simple things are, are you really outgoing and you, you know, do you want spend a lot of time around people and in a social situation, do you talk a lot? And if you do, you better get to do that in your job. And that should be part of what you get paid for. What, what happens when you have one set of personalities, but circumstances and situations have, have kind of resulted in you becoming more introvert versus your natural being being extrovert. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's something that you have to get over. So, I mean, and, and that happens. I mean, you'll have like a kid in school, uh, they might just put up their hand once and get the wrong answer. And then they decide I'm never going to say a word again in class. And that affects their whole education and they might give up on it easily or just because of one thing. We often, you know, because we don't think like grownups really, even most of us that are grownups don't think like grownups. So, you know, that's the thing. We make these decisions about things. It's not the thing that happened to us. It's because we made a decision about it and we said, I'm just going to shut up from now on. So... What you got to do is like, you know, just wake up and and you, and you just got to practice like anything else. It likes practicing a sport or practicing music. You have to just practice. So you have to kind of know that inside you're more outgoing and you just do it. And make a decision is what I'm yeah, hearing. Is exactly. You have to get to a point of making the decision that you want more. And I'm looking at the book. And once again, the book is The Pathfinder and, and, and early like the first couple of pages, there's this, a section that says the American way 
of career selection. Um, and we talked about this and I, I want you to elaborate on it, but I'm feeling like sometimes that American way of career selection dumbs us down and it, it puts us in that box and mm-hmm. it kind of gets, creates an obstacle that keeps us from wanting to ins- explore and investigate ourselves. Well, the American way of career selection is really no way at all. It's like somebody, you're, you know, either your parents or somebody says, here's what you should do or here's what you yeah, shouldn't yes. do. Or else they say, go find something you like. And that's pretty much it. And then, you know, when somebody goes to college, it's like, go pick a major. Well, what is that based on? You know, I mean. Money. Financial. Right. Exactly. And stuff like that. That's right. And Mm -hmm. everybody these days is picking for that reason. And it's, you know, no matter how much money you make, you're not going to be happy if. You don't like what you're doing. You, you talk about being a being a detective. You talk <clears throat> about um, understanding your personality, um, understanding your talents. What if? And and I tend to believe that our gifts come so natural to us that yeah. we don't even identify them as <clears throat> gifts. That's um, right. I That's right. That we yeah. have, like I've even uh, advice that I've given. Is, is really more or less around the idea that you should ask five of your closest friends, um, say, Hey, what am I good at? Mm-hmm. And I believe that if you listen to what those five separate individuals say, there'll be a common theme. That's in, right. And, and yeah. identify what you are gifted mm-hmm. at. What, what are you, what are you teaching or what are, what have you learned over the years that'll help someone try to identify what their gifts and talents are? Well, uh, I mean, really, yeah, that's a great idea, asking friends. But when it comes down to it, you, you don't want to believe what they say because you're looking for evidence. You're like a career detective looking for what you're like. So your natural talents are important. And some of those things are there's some people uh, <clears throat> last at this party last night. There was this we were hanging out and dancing with this woman that everything she does and she thinks is all 3D. She makes things, she gardens, she she thinks in her mind 3D, you know, she's, everything, her whole world is 3D. Mm-hmm. And she didn't really quite get it. She knew everything she liked was, but for years she'd worked in a business that was just like administration or managing a business, and she didn't like it. Well, guess what? She didn't like it because it wasn't, it wasn't her, you know, if people had a purpose, that would have been part of her purpose there. And then there's some people, there's kind of a whole scale. There's people who are kind of philosophical at one end and everything like that, who everything is kind of all ideas and so forth. Um, <clears throat> and then in the middle is people might be a little more practical, so they like the real world and everything, but they're not going to build houses or whatever. So you have to kind of look what you're like, kind of what is it that attracts you. And and then some people are good with details and everything like that. And then there's people like me. I just, I, I'm no good at it at all. So that would be a really good clue for me. No details. And for me, I'm interested in people and I want to do something that makes a difference with people and has some impact in that way. And so, you know, some people are good at solving certain kinds of problems and then, then whatever kind of functions, because what you're going to get paid for doing at work is some kind of a function. That's what it's all about for whoever's paying you. Mm -hmm. And so your work is probably going to be either more directly about people. So that's like, um, you know, a salesman, a nurse, a teacher, something like that. Somebody that talks in front of people or, or, or whatever. And then the other category is kind of information and things. So that's goes from everybody to somebody that's editing an article to somebody that's a songwriter. That's called kind of in the, I mean, you know, I'm not looking at the difference between creative and boring. I'm just, it's a world. It's the world of information. And all the computer guys, we know, right? They're all about things. Most of them, maybe not so good with people. 
but exactly. good with information. information and they're all, they're kind of analytical. So it comes so. naturally that you like that organized analytical way. And, um, <clears throat> and then there's people that are they're What they like is more organized around things. So that would be a brain surgeon, car mechanic. There isn't that much difference between a surgeon and a car mechanic, really. It's kind so of the same, same job. Thing, just, mm-hmm. It's just the human body's a more complicated car, I guess. So those are the kinds of clues. And so you can look back at your life. I mean, it's probably hard to do when you're 17, 18, and 19 because, you know, the way the brain works, it's kind of like the brain electrician hooks it up from the back. So when you're that age, the part that really has the ability to figure stuff out. It's there, it's sitting there, Mm -hmm. but there aren't any wires running to it, you know? Uh, I do want to continue along this this journey, but you just said something interesting. 17, 18 aren't able to really figure that out. What what role do your, or how can your parents, or what role do your parents play in helping you to kind of understand what it is that you're, you're, you're gifted or talented at or, or, or help you to identify a career because I think today you mentioned it earlier, um, how, um, your parents will say, Hey, you're going to be this. Right. And then you went to college and you became that because you were told that mm-hmm. this was the best occupation for you. But given that we, the conversation now that we want to have and what we hope our listeners take away from this podcast is to um, look for ways to identify the perfect career or the, or the mm-hmm. career for you. What role can a parent play at a young age to, to assist that, that young person to find the perfect career for them? So you have to think what, why parents are interfering, you know, and one is the main thing is they love their kids and they want them to be successful, but, they have no idea what it's going to take. So it's really the equivalent of having them say, go jump in this airplane and take off right now. I mean, they don't know how to fly. They don't know what it's going to take. But parents usually, you know, their job is to advise. So I think the first thing is to kind of realize that you don't know, that you're not going to, you can't shape your kids the way you want to. It's not like Gumby. They're individuals. You just have to like water them and feed them and, and then pay attention to what they're like. Let their individuality come out and then support that. So, and then also <clears throat> parents always want bragging rights too. You know, they, and they always do it. It's hard for them to admit it because they're looking at, I love my kid. You know, I'm going to support him to do this. But they have probably an equal motive of being able to say, yeah, right, my, you know, my, my son, son daughter is a doctor or a lawyer or something or, a, yeah, something, whatever it is. And around here, around D.C., there's the upper middle class people pay thousands of dollars to get their kids into the most elite schools that where they might have a miserable time because they're going to just be working their butts off the whole time instead of growing up at school. So, you know, I think the main thing is you have to give up the old-fashioned dominant parent ruling everything. Like, you know, men have probably been like that since for a million years or so. And you 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 say you've worked with about over 15,000, was that correct? Over 15,000? Mm, yeah, in one-on-one. one-on-one. Not me, but I've worked with I mean, just in, in, our, in the people program. That, yeah, our um, people. Yeah. What is generally the the disposition of those people? Where are they emotionally, spiritually, psychologically when they say, I need your help? It, it, are most people at the same place when they come or are they in different phases of trying to figure out this career journey? Well, they're in different phases, but I, you know, most of them are older than college students. So there's somebody who's for the most part, already out in the working world, and they've gotten to the point where they've kind of said, this is a technical term, this sucks, mm-hmm. you know? And so they've, they've 
they you know they're old enough that their brain is kind of wired they've had experiences out in the world right and they know if they keep going where they're headed they're going to wind up you know in some place they don't want and they go to work and they don't really like it but they have that possibility and then a commitment to do something about it so that's the only thing that's the same of everybody they're all there's people who are you know rich and poor successful not successful everything in between it's a whole big basket of different people but they all have that in common they all say i'm going to do something about this i'm not going to put up with having a mediocre life so would you say probably maybe 40, 40 plus if we had to make an age demographic somewhere about No, there? 25 to okay. 50 mostly. Okay. And then we also have students too. And some of our coaches like working with students and some people we've trained do that. I mean, personally, I like working with somebody who's at the point where they can say, I'm going to go for it. Yeah, that's an interesting point because it'd be great to, to have that information as young as possible so that you can really start and dive in. Well, they should do that. That's a whole different conversation. It's like the whole educational institution is totally failing. I mean, if you took every college in the country and you had 100 students and you said, okay, raise your hand if going to career services helped you pick what you were going to do, probably almost none of those students would say that it helped because it's totally bankrupt they don't really care about that and they'll let you you know they'll let you uh you know uh major in polynesian philosophy or something like that there's only one new job every century in that field you know <laughs> so <clears throat> what, what what are you students if i'm a student what what's the first thing that you're doing when I when I come here? Well, what we do is we put people through a testing program that measures natural talents because that I think you know when you just look at the basics, everything in nature except for human beings is done something does something that fits them. You know, the lion yeah. is perfect in the plains of Serengeti. It has the perfect talents. It has the perfect nasty personality. And the squirrel is perfect for what it does. It's running up and down a tree. It's scared to death all the time, looking around for something that might eat it. So if the lion tried to do the squirrel's job, it would be in big trouble right away. And if this, imagine the squirrel out charging something on the plains, that's not going to work. But we human beings are so adaptable that we can get away with doing stuff that's uh, that doesn't fit us, and that's you know that's in a way how we've kind of taken over the world is we're really adaptable and we can fill all these roles, so we can get away with jobs that don't fit, whereas the squirrel can't do that. So there's an assessment done <clears throat> to identify yeah. natural abilities. That's right. Um, after that assessment. Or how how long is that assessment? Is that is that a couple of sessions? Is that no? That's one? like they do it at home. It's oh, about okay. two and a half hours of time testing. It's expensive. It's five hundred bucks. Um, so a lot of people can't. You know, it's it's for us to do, everything we do is high touch. So we talk with people and we kind of fit the pieces together. But you know, people can do a lot of this on their own, just looking for clues. Some of the things that I said yeah, are, piece. yeah, the detective piece. Like there's some people who whose mind is, you know, running at 100 miles an hour, um, you know, stand-up comedians, salespeople, somebody who has to think on their feet, emergency room physician, things like that. And then there's the other side of that is somebody or an artist that paints really fast or a cartoonist um or somebody that can just talk you know they can just yeah. lay it out mm-hmm. non-stop like you guys <laughs> and, <laughs> and then and then and then after i've identified my natural talent what what what's next well let me just finish oh, the other side of that sure, 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 sure. so the other side remember it's a whole scale the other side 
is people that everything is they're more oriented towards very you know slow you know specific mm -hmm. like working in a bank is like that mm -hmm. it's all kind of repetitive it's it's the same and yeah. art if somebody who is doing really detailed art or somebody's doing some kind of craftsmanship that takes concentration it's like concentration mm -hmm. so that's a good clue too and then some people are kind of they decide things more logically and by thinking things through and then there's other people who like like me it's all emotions you know it's like I'll try to think it through, but then I kind of do what I feel like after that, you know. But I can always tell other people I thought it through. Yeah, yeah. they'll never know the difference. They'll never know the difference. That's right. Find you identify your natural ability and your personality, kind of what your you're personality, like, what you're like, and then, <clears throat> and then that's interesting. Natural ability, personality, and personality, okay. right? Okay. And also, what's important to you. Um, like I would never work for the military industrial complex or something like that. I mean, that's a value of mine. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to do anything right. that yeah. harms people or whatever. I've always been like that. So it's the whole ball of wax about you. Everything about what you're like is part of it. But then here's the really cool part. Those clues are amount to nothing. What matters is you picking definite pieces. So that's the place you really got to stick your neck out and say, you know what, I'm really good at this, and this has got to be a big part of what I do. So you have to claim some parts of it. And that's real. That's the, you know, that's claiming it. It's like all the information and finding it all out, that's just the beginning. But like back to the detective analogy, Though all those shows are about working the clues, right? And they all have all the love stories and everything mixed in. But that's what they're doing. They're trying to find the guilty person. And what you're trying to do is find some definite pieces of what you're going to do. When you say claim it, so is there a process to, to claim it? Or do you just say, hey, this is what I'm going to do? Pretty much that's all there is. <laughs> really. I mean, because the reason no, I say I, that is that's because... True. But 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 that's a, but that's important because like you said, there's a lot of information out there. We'll go back and we may do this natural abilities and personality, and now what I see is all this information. Well, the information is. What do you do with that information? Information is not really the heart of it. It's first of all, it's it's not infor the information is the booby prize. What's important is what you get in your bones. What you can say, oh yeah, I'm like this. This is important. You know, and, and you um, move, move from that. Yeah, like, I mean, and you learn things in life. I learned from a couple of those early jobs that, I mean, that first job, I had to lie to customers. They'd order these boxes. And then my boss, he ran the company, but he was sort of sold stuff too. And he'd make promises when things could be delivered. And when, you know, and he'd just do it to sell it. And then maybe some factory would have to shut down the third shift because they didn't have boxes to put things in. And I had to lie to people. So from that, from, from, that's the other thing. You get clues from your experiences. I just said, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to find myself in a position where I have to lie to people. So, and to me, that translated to, I'm not working for anybody. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. So that's what you do. You're kind of building puzzle pieces. Clues are the easy part. Mm -hmm. Making the decisions is the harder part. But the hardest part is then you're looking to see what that fits and so forth. So you got to play around with a lot of ideas and look online. And that's the best place to have friends say, you know what? You're in fantasy land about that, you know, um, or get some support from mm -hmm. from people. Would that be qualified as like the assessment phase of the program that you? Yeah, it's. I mean, we do whole coaching processes, like mm -hmm. a whole thing where people come through, and we work with them over months, mm -hmm. where they're going through assessments at first, right? But that's but assessment. You know, really, it's just coming up with clues. Clues, exactly. That's right. what matters. So 
you know, if it's, and you don't know what's going to be most important because like in the detective show, they do all these things. I'm talking about real life too. They take fingerprints. They talk to the neighbors. Maybe the neighbors didn't see anybody or anything and don't know anything. Maybe the guy was wearing gloves, but you have, that's what you have to do. You play, play with clues and find things that are going to work for your life. And you just want to center on the most important stuff. So it isn't the information. It's what really gets through to you. And being able to take those clues and claim and claim what it is that, that you want to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So sometimes some of those pieces lead to something like if, like if you're sure you're going to work outdoors, this is ridiculous, but you're going to work outdoors and you're never going to wear shoes at work. You pretty much cut it down to, you know, to not very many things. And if you can't think of anything, right, right, exactly. Be a lifeguard or you could, um, you could get creative and say, well, I don't know. I could work in the backyard with a laptop or something. But then as you sort out pieces of it, other questions come up like, you know what? If I'm going to work outside with no shoes, I'm going to have to move south from, from Minneapolis, you know, Uh, or I'm going to only have to work one month of the year, you know, the short summer they have there. What were the clues that started you to, to, you mentioned one of them, you wanted to be an entrepreneur. Uh, what are some of the other clues that, And that, and then you claim that that forced you to claim to start Rockport Institute. Um, I wanted to make a big difference in a lot of people's lives in a really practical way that you know they could say, "Yeah, this is really, this has really made my life different than it would have been." And I wanted to do something that I was really good at. Uh, I'm not a competitive person, so I didn't want to get in some field where there were a whole lot of people all doing little pieces of it, like medical research or something like that. I wanted to be, well, it's a little embarrassing, but I wanted to be a big fish in a little pond. Mm -hmm. And the whole career, you know, the whole career world is so stupid and primitive and all the research at colleges is for the most part it was then really pretty terrible. Now there's some good stuff going on, but for the most part, you know, so this was like the fact that I'm not competitive. I wanted to have like my own corner. Mm-hmm. And so that was just being honest. It was like, I had to admit that to myself and that, you know, wasn't easy at first. And then I'm good at kind of creative problem solving. I'm kind of like a, think of myself like a tool maker but not physical tools. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to have a a flow of new problems. I didn't, you know, because that's, I got bored in those jobs because I'd have the same problem over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's what you guys do in this too, right? Right. You talk to all these different people. So every time you interview and talk with somebody, it's completely different. Totally different. When you decided to go down the path, when you started to kind of change your direction, was there a moment of hesitancy where you were maybe second guessing this whole thing? It was more than a moment. More than a moment. It was a long time because I was, I was going to like create a new field that I called career coaching. In those days, there was no coaching except for sports coaching. And there wasn't anybody that I thought was doing good work in this field. So, I thought I was out of my mind mm-hmm. to to try to do it. And I wasn't, you know, I mean, I remember somehow I, it was many, many years ago, I had the TV on and Dick Clark was on and he had, it was, a, it was the first time Madonna, whatever her mm-hmm. first song was, and he had her on as a guest. I was just flipping channels and I heard him say, well, okay, Madonna, uh, what are your goals in life? And she said, to rule the world. <laughs> and I thought, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. But she did. Right. Because she had that drive to do it. Um, and so 
I had a, I don't think she had a lot of doubts, you know. Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> At least not when she At said that. Not then. <laughs> I don't think, you know, I don't know what she's like. You know, I mean, you know, I don't know Madonna. Maybe she does have a lot of doubts, but I had a lot of doubts and I thought, I don't know if I could do this. And I've had that happen before. When I wrote the Pathfinder, I had to just promise I was going to do it because what my brain told me is you, you can't write. You have no, I never even liked any papers I did. You know, I was always critical of them. I can't even write like a, this is like before the days of the internet. You know, somebody would give me Christmas present, dear grandma, you know, thanks for the whatever it was. <laughs> I would say, this is so boring. I couldn't, I can't say something to grandma that's a little better than this. Right. So I knew I couldn't write, but I just had a goal and I just said, I'm going to do it no matter what. So for three years, I got up and just sat down for, you know, several hours in the morning. And sometimes I'd get distracted and just be like, going, uh, but I just kept at it. And the whole time, by the time I turned it in, I still thought, you know, Simon and Schuster would laugh and want their money back. Um, but no, they really liked it. So, you know, it was just having persistence, being unstoppable, like a force of nature. And you don't have to have it like Madonna as a natural trait. You just have to make a promise and and keep that promise. Were you talking to anybody about your plan? Like what you saw, what you envisioned? Were you sharing that information with anybody close to you? Oh yeah, with my wife is always she's like always my biggest supporter. She's amazing. I don't think I think it's because of her that everything good has happened in my life because she's I mean, I would just be like a probably lazy hippie swinging from vine to vine someplace <laughs> if it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for her, you know. And uh, so it's just, yeah, I mean, it's not, you don't have to be married or in a relationship. You can have friends that support you. But you do want to share those type of things because I've always been weary on who and what you share because it can or cannot, they can or cannot kind of be encouraging or they that's can right. speak negative thoughts that prevent mm -hmm. you from moving forward. Well, that's true. So when you start getting committed to having a life that really works, maybe you have to replace some of your friends. <laughs> no, really? Uh, does Rockport Institute give that type of advice and suggestions? I'll give that advice out 24 hours a day. You know, because we all have some friends that, you know, we can kind of count on that are really friends. And we have some people that just kind of like keep our bull crap the same. Because if we ever started getting better, it'd make them look bad to themselves. Right? True. And that's it. And I, I've thought that too. I've had a friend who, just the other day, I had a friend telling me about like a, well, I won't go into the story, but somebody who was all of a sudden making millions of dollars. I was so envious, you know, and um, I, I just, you know, you want people that when the friendship's about you. It's not about them. They're they're really a friend. Mm -hmm. They're on your side. Okay, you share some more just at a real quick high level, some more key takeaways that you think this audience should should take with them? Well, just to do like the little you know, whatever it's called, little pitch, um, go on Amazon and look up the Pathfinder, how to choose or change your career for a lifetime of satisfaction and success. So that's like the 450 page, $10 version of what I'm saying now. So it's like the same philosophy and it isn't something you have to read the whole thing. You don't have to wade through a book like that. It's just like, Look at parts of it that make sense to you, and um, that's what it's for. It's to be a guide. And so whatever it is, that's a good, that's a good you need to have 
like a guide. Yes. This is all new territory, mm-hmm. and stumbling around out in the woods on your own just doesn't really work. So whatever you do, you want to have something that's a guide. It could be a mentor or whatever. And I just looked at it quickly, and it, it is all of that. It's a guide, and it has it broken down as an outline. It covers all the things we talked about with personality traits and, and the interpretation of those personality traits. And one of the sections that also caught my attention is when you get stuck. We kind of talked about how mm-hmm. friends and close people around <laughs> you can sometimes be an obstacle. But what do you do when you're going down the process and you know things may start looking bleak? Um, mm-hmm. and you, and you hit that wall. Do you just quit on that wall and start redirecting and finding something else? Or is there something else that you should consider when you get to maybe that kind of standstill point? Well, that thing that's happening is like a picture and you have a frame in it that says, I'm stuck. But you're not really stuck. You're just stopped. Mm-hmm. Really, you're just well, what stopped. About of oh, my whole life is. Moments of mostly unclarity and an occasional breath of, you know, we all have lots of unclarity about things. And most things, I don't know anything about most things. And I don't even know. There's most of everything that could be known. I don't even know I don't know it. So I'm unclear about most things. So you just have to stick with, you know, being true to who you are. And if you're unclear about something, that's an important decision you have to ask good questions about it. Does intuition play a part at all in, in this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, intuition's a powerful part of it. And lots of times, I think we might think things through too much and not trust our own intuition. Steady long, steady wrong sometimes. Well, that's all that I have. Um, I, I'm going to definitely dig into this book because we're at that point. And I guess we're in that window of a lot of the people that you've, that you've helped out in that 25 to 50 window in the workplace and some things that just really don't match up with, I guess, how you internally feel like life should be progressing and some of the achievements that you should have. So this is a great thing. And like you said, it is definitely a God. I can, I, I sense that it's a God that, that we can really, um, apply. What, one of the things that you've said that I really like to use as a takeaway, especially for our audience members is that around natural ability. I think that we've manufactured and, and just living in this society, um, a lot of things have been manufactured so much so mm-hmm. that we have forgotten how to be human beings. That's exactly. Yeah, and exactly. because we've forgotten how to be human beings, mm-hmm. we've forgotten how to rely on our natural instincts mm-hmm. and our intuition and those things that come with us as being human beings. And mm-hmm. you've labeled that as natural abilities and being able to to see our natural abilities. And personalities. And personalities. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 my key takeaway, and really for our audience members, is really figure out a way to de- disconnect from technology, disconnect from from society and really learn who you are and really investigate and be that detective with your natural ability, mm-hmm. identifying what your natural abilities are and understanding your personalities. Uh, we talk about this a lot, how a lot of our peers and a lot of our listeners are so invested in social media. That's uh, right. And Facebook, that's, yeah. uh, Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram, and seeing stories that are being portrayed by cohorts and trying to live that lifestyle or trying to use those same media outlets and social media platforms to portray a lifestyle mm-hmm. and not being natural and having that natural ability exactly. of who they are. So um, for me, and as we drove through through this neighborhood to get to this particular location, um, I think that we all should just take that, that path and that journey to just become more of a human being and understand what it is to be a human being and identify natural abilities. Absolutely. I mean, you just said better than I could what I was thinking about and was going to say, and that's like on Facebook and all those places, you're really trying to sell yourself as this character. And 
but you really aren't that character. You're a human being. You're a complicated, amazing human being. And you have to just be with exactly what you said. That's the heart of it all. That's the heart of it all. So um, thank you, Nick, for allowing us to partake in this conversation. Um, I know when we were trying to plan this, um, I know you may have you may have even had doubts to see how we could make this be entertaining. But I think we just really summarized and we really provided this audience in a lot of ways, it's not so much as being entertaining, but it's providing a platform <clears throat> for, for, for our audience members to, to learn. Our podcast is essentially mm-hmm. becoming a digital library where generations will be able to come and, and listen to this episode or listen to the previous 60 episodes that we've done. And our goal and our hope is that they can take something from it. Mm-hmm. And I say all of that to say that um, you provided some very knowledgeable, very tangible gifts that when they do come and check out this particular episode using the library analogy, there will be some some takeaways that they can take that are practical and that will help them to jumpstart, initiate um, a career change or choosing a career that's going to be satisfying for for them before we get out of here we do have to talk about something very important how did you feel by having your work acknowledged by presidents of the united states well that's amazing i mean to have bill clinton say you know good job dude you know um well, I don't know if it's on the book. It's on our it's website. On but, you know, I mean, that's a little fragment of it. But that's probably because we live close to Washington, D.C. And, you know, everything falls off the shovel close to D.C., including money and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So, you know, uh, I think it's because we we're close. But it feels great, you know, having the president say that at least he was made knowledgeable about something that you mm-hmm. associated so that in itself is, is is pretty major so another interesting fact that you just told us about and and you don't have to go into detail but <laughs> we did a we did a podcast an episode on on by arresting mm-hmm. can you mention the the or can you share with our audience that particular short story or that short line that you told us about uh, Mr. Reston. Well, um, this was when I was 17 years old. I moved to Greenwich Village and I worked to ban the bomb. So it was called the Student Peace Union. And all these little groups kind of shared things. And I don't know why it was, but Bayard shared an office with us for a little while. And, uh, but, you know, I didn't know that he would turn out to he's like the the most important black leader nobody's ever heard of. A, you know, that's what he is. And he's one of the most important people in 20th century American history. But hardly anybody knows who he is, which is why we have an episode on free lunch podcast. Absolutely. That's amazing. But you said, so you said Greenwich uh, Village, that there was a lot of movement going on in that particular mm-hmm. area, a lot of creativity, arts, um, mm-hmm. a lot of um, social music. conversation, music and things like that, that was pressing the culture forward and the country forward during that period of time. Do you think that your experience and your time there might have kind of motivated you to, to have this somewhat of an out of a box um, this desire to explore and really yeah. kind of fulfill your well, I mean, it, I think it was pretty out of the box to move there at seventeen because I was just like an innocent kid, but I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, move where people had something to say, Correct. and that's what it was like then. It wasn't, it wasn't all different music styles and everything like that. It was we just would say, well, we're interested in people that have something to say and who are up to something. And that's what it was in those days. How how can the people, if they were interested in Rockport Institute or connecting with you, uh, you have a website or anything you want to leave on the podcast? Sure. 
It's rockportinstitute.com. Very simple. And BG, yeah. uh, how can the people reach us? Oh, freelunchpodcast.com for podcasts and blogs. Also, for your commentary, let us know what you think on Twitter, FreelunchPodC. Also, check for our pictures and videos on Instagram, FreelunchPodcast, and for our video interview versions, YouTube, Free Lunch TV. This has been another great episode. I hope you, the listeners, um, can take something away from this particular conversation. Definitely go out. Um, if you're more interested in learning about choosing a better career, the Pathfinder, how to choose or change your career for a lifetime of satisfaction and success, uh, it is available on Amazon.com. Um, it is a bestseller. Um, so go out, purchase the book. This is the Free Lunch Podcast, uh, home to the New South Movement. Um, I am tight tight and we got the main man bg with yep. us yep. and we out of here we like podcast peace